0: This is Defenders TV Podcast, Episode 44, and we're back looking at Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 1, The Lady in the Lake. Welcome back Defenders, this is the return of Agent Carter to Defenders TV podcast and this is episode 44. We're delving into season 2 of Agent Carter and this the first episode The Lady in the Lake. I am your British broadcaster
1: John the JBC and I'm your binge breaking podcaster Derek and joining us for this season of Agent Carter is our fellow podcaster from Defenders TV Podcast.
2: Hey guys, it's Chris here. You may remember me as the Easter egg hunter.
0: Welcome, Chris. Welcome to Agent Carter. Yes. Absolutely. We are going to be icebreaking breaking in um, this episode, discussion of C- Agent Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say Cajun Carter then, <laughs> thinking for our um, Mexican followers uh, on, on the podcast here.
1: Uh, maybe next season she might travel too. New Orleans and have some Creole and Cajun food, maybe. But this time she's in L.A.
0: Yeah, we're West Coast bound. Yeah. So it's palm trees, flamingos and um, heat waves.
2: (laughs) Or uh, ice waves, depending on what you...
0: Or ice waves. Yeah, exactly. Bit of ice breaking in... 35 degrees Celsius heat. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, great to be back with Agent Carter. And of course, we're just off the back of looking at uh, Jessica Jones on Defenders TV podcast, uh, obviously released all on on Netflix back in uh, November of last year. We're now moving into uh, an episode a week of Agent Carter season two um, on Fox TV in the UK and Ireland. If you want to follow us and join us and subscribe to the podcast, just go on to defenders.tvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes and subscribe to the podcast there. You can also search Defenders TV Podcast on any other good podcast catcher as well such as beyond pod podcast addict player fm and stitcher subscribe there leave a review and um, to help spread the word of defenders tv podcasts and our discussions of the marvel cinematic and tv universe and worlds um, and of course on jessica jones one of the best things was just so much great interaction with um, people who are listening to the podcast on Facebook or on Twitter following our handles there. So, I mean, if you want to contribute, you can always send in feedback to us directly at feedback at defenders uh, or you can uh, just search defenders tv podcast on Facebook and join our group and follow us on, on our page that there will be discussion items there across the whole Marvel area, but anything on on Agent Carter, of course, you can post it there. And, of course, at DefendersCast is our Twitter handle, so you can interact with us there, uh, where we will also be live tweeting every Thursday uh, for Agent Carter um, at 9pm on Fox TV UK. But I think with that, I think we can move into our discussion of Agent Carter. And just for anyone who's new joining us, we do our five points. So each of us will go through our our five points that we pull from the episode. It could be a scene, it could be an Easter egg, and um, that's normally in, in Chris's realm. Um, it it, it could be um just some dialogue it could just be some awesomeness that happened or it could from time to time be something maybe less awesome and not so awesome but at the end of that we will round up the episode as to whether we defend or not so i think with that derek do you want to fire off with a little introduction of agent carter season two episode
1: one the lady in the lake Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So slightly differently to the US, we got the first episode broadcast on its own on the first night on the 28th of January. Uh, So we'll be covering the episodes once a week. There's 10 episodes this season. So first episode, Lady in the Lake, was written by Brant Engelstein, who wrote the excellent The Blitzkrieg Button, uh, episode four of season one of Agent Carter, one of my favorites, uh, definitely. Uh, It's also directed by Lawrence Trilling, who has directed episodes of Alias, Roswell, Scrubs, and more recently, Parenthood. So a, a good working director, and who also directs, episode two of this season of agent carter uh, john do you want to kick us in with telling us what we got in the episode sure the fugitive Dottie underwood is apprehended
0: by agent peggy carter and chief jack thompson in new york but just as peggy is making headway interrogating her she is assigned to her to the new west coast office of the strategic scientific reserve the ssr in los angeles to fight literally the new cold war enemies of the united states Newly installed as the chief of the LASSR office, Daniel Souza needs help with a case that involves a mysterious lady discovered in a frozen lake, just as temperatures head north of 35 degrees Celsius. Or should that be 95 degrees Fahrenheit? The autopsy throws further glowing light on the dead woman as their investigation takes them to Isodine Energy, where Carter learns more from a scientist that the woman was a physicist who was intimately involved with the owner of Isodine and a prospective senator, Calvin Chadwick. As Peggy's suspicions lead her to confront Chadwick, there seems to be more to this case than meets the eye. As an unknown and potentially more dangerous threat lurks in the basement of the
1: Isodine facility. Excellent. Lots going on in this first episode of the, of the season. Not a lot of way to catch us up to where all the characters are and uh, and everything that's going on. Yeah, it felt like tons of stuff going on. Um,
0: Chris, what like what did you think?
2: Well, for me, it's welcome back, Peggy. I really yeah. have to say that. I'm like, it's oh it, it really felt very. Uh, in a good way, very reminiscent of, like, early 90s X-Files type mystery.
1: Right, right. Cool. Very Good very timing nice. for that with X-Files returning as well, isn't it?
2: Exactly. And I'm wondering if that was just even a slight nod to um, kind of what's going on. It begs the question, is this going to turn it to very... Um, now, I'm going to bring it out of Marvel and into DC into the kind of Flash side where you kind of have very much a Mo- Monster of the Week type case... But they do sprinkle in some kind of activities that lead it on to a more that feed into the overall mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's interesting. I don't know. I, I overall great intro. Welcome back, as I said, it was it was a good welcome. Um, yeah. I, I'm eager to see more.
0: It's great. It's kind of like comforting to have Peggy Carter back on, on the box. It's kind of like she's familiar, but the fact is, it's all kind of it's all change. Um, I really like that, but definitely like loads going on here. Um, I mean really kind of touching a lot of bases from the previous um, season, just sort of tying a few things up or at least following on from that. Uh, and we'll see how those will kind of maybe pan out over season two. But then also, you know, the, the start of introducing this new West Coast world uh, mm-hmm. from from the, the, um, the brash New York to the glitzy LA kind of scene. And, and that's really good. And I'm wondering whether you know, has the hat, has Peggy's hat been replaced with the sunglasses
1: um, on this, um, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, really, really good to see everybody back and great to see, obviously, Jarvis and Peggy back together on screen to get to, again, they were fantastic in season one and really good to see them back in season two. So yeah, like a warm, comforting blanket of... Uh, of, I don't know, spooky, freaky stuff uh, all happening at the same time. Really enjoyable. There's Um, another X-Files reference, spooky. (laughs) (laughs) So, Chris, do you want to kick us off with your first point?
2: Yep. I'm going to hold my hands up and say I'm very much, I like bad women. Mm -hmm. So, for me, we got to see more of Dottie, our 1940s kind of pre-Black Widow, if she had stayed bad
1: absolutely
2: and it was a great opening sequence the bank you were convinced that that was peggy walking and even the look and the outfit made kind of even the hairstyle it's and then the knockout with the sack of coins
1: oh fantastic oh brilliant
2: (laughs) (laughs) i was just like it was so it was just really really good
0: yeah the bag of swag
2: yeah (laughs) i think
0: the bag of swag over the nag
2: Ooh, that, that, I, I, I Yeah, and
0: she's not a nag, I know, yeah. but it's anything that
1: rhymes with bag and, and swag.
2: And sag. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely love the return of Dottie. At the end of uh, at the last season, we saw her disappearing off into the uh, into the distance. So uh, great to see her back in this episode and, and a great intro with essentially the mirror image of, uh, of how we were introduced to Peggy Carter walking against the flow uh, of a group of men in grey suits. This time we see... Um, Dotty wearing exactly the same outfit, walking the opposite direction away from the camera. So nice little setup. But there was a couple of really great touches here. I'm sure they were written to the script by Brent Engelstein because uh, he knows these characters so well. Some really interesting touches there from Dottie where uh, she's actually also affecting an accent like Peggy's or she's trying to affect the British accent. I don't know whether you guys noticed this, where she says to the bank, uh, the yeah. bank operator, she says, for a pittance, you must risk your life. There's no way that her and her American accent would be using the term a <laughs> <laughs> to, to somebody else. Uh, she also says, um, help the old geezer there. Uh, which is a very British type of phrase especially a 40s kind of British phrase uh, so I love the fact that not only is she just emulating Peggy she said to her that she really wants to be an agent of the SSR next time she comes back she's also trying to affect the accent and trying to be exactly like Peggy and even to this stage as you said Chris of complimenting Peggy on her new hair on her new haircut because she's tried to get the exact same haircut that Peggy had in the first season so really good touches there from the writers yeah it
0: kind of looked like there was a bit of a love interest there, um, coming from Dottie obviously towards Peggy, no reciprocation. But, um, you know, she's obviously... Dressed like her, affecting her accent. She obviously likes to be interrogated by her uh, rather than um, Chief Thompson. And um, you know, she's certainly not impressed when Thompson takes on that role. So, like, she ha- is kind of slightly uh, besotted. Dotty is besotted by um, by Peggy, and um, to to the point of imitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's uh, that's really interesting. I just something that Peggy throws in there with was so close as she's getting pulled away to LA we're so close to finding Dottie's true agenda and, and motives and her handlers. And that will be a great thing if that comes out um, because, you know, is it just everything that was in season one or does it go beyond that and and, and moves into maybe some of the things that are going to occur and happen in, in season two? So yeah, no, I, I love that, but I definitely thought there was this kind of, um, uh, Love interest or or sexual tension between uh, Dotty, at least from Dotty's side towards uh, towards Peggy.
2: Yeah, I I definitely even got that. It was kind of I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't use the word besotted. I was kind of more leaning towards the single white female infatuation mm-hmm. type. So like I can really see Dotty coming back midway through the season, uh, maybe just before they do a quick. Do they do a two week break?
1: I don't think there's any breaks, actually. I think we've got a full ten episodes uh, okay. back to back. Yeah. So I
2: think maybe episode four, episode f- episode five, episode six, we'll see Dottie again very much taking on a she wants Peggy's life. So she wants to be the agent. She wants she wants Sousa um, to fall in love. So she follows Peggy out to, to Hollywood, to La La Land. And I really think that's where we'll see it go. But it was just, again, um, great reintroduction of a character who... We may not see again, but at least it ties up some loose ends.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, totally agree. John, do you want to give us your first point?
0: Yeah, it's 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 actually it kind of builds from something you said, there, Derek, which was um, the whole uh, Dotty walking against the flow of um, of the men in in the grey suits in what looks like Peggy's outfit, and it's it's a general thing about why I actually really like this show. Um, it's that this is really light hearted, really fun tv for me but it does have serious undertones that mm. make it really dark in places and, and and can make it really serious but i mean in a good way and i like that and i i think that whole opening for me and in particular where dotty is walking against the flow of of the oncoming uh pedestrians you know it's just really clever because It reflects, as you say, it mirrors back what um, happened in the first episode on season one with the heroine. Here's your anti-heroine on the other side, but maybe not so different from Peggy in terms of what she's doing. And it's all the other way. I I really like that. It's... You know the writers and the director and and the actors. It's clever, but it also is light, and it wears everything on on its sleeve with with a lightness. And I think, I mean, the example I had on this was just the the rookie copper who the policeman who shoots um was it Detective Henry into a million fragments of of, of frozen body, like he he shoots him and it's almost kind of like an oops moment it's almost like this sort of laurel and hardy oops moment i wasn't supposed to do that yeah. you know and he says he leaves his walkie talkie uh, in the car and at, at that very moment i thought you know that is funny but it 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 kind of it it didn't necessarily sit well with me but then, literally within five minutes, you see him getting paid off with an envelope of cash from um, Calvin Chadwick and his wife uh, Whitney Frost. And I think this series is really funny, really lighthearted, but it has—it comes with sort of undertones that are and dark undertones, serious undertones that are taken up later in it, and it really. Just shows how tight the writing is. I think on this that they do something like that, which is incredibly lighthearted and almost slapstick, yeah. And then pull it back to being really kind of kind of serious and dark. And you're like, and what's behind all that? And that's the one thing I love about this show. And it was from season one. And my first point is, I'm really glad that this is kept up in season two. Basically, that that kind of style that there's the lightness. But also the darkness, uh, to to really tight writing. So I, I definitely um, really appreciated that.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I, I that was actually one of my points because that cop just kind of it was. I'm glad he it turned out he was working for Chadwick and Frost because yeah. just the. I'm sorry, I left my radio in the car. Yeah. It was just it screamed something was wrong. Like especially when you've seen someone just kind of explode into frozen pieces and like all around you, you're like, uh, I wonder also like for super spy Peggy Carter, do, would that not I I don't know would would that not have let, kind of set some alarm bells, kind of
0: almost. But he's there with a gun pointed at the, like he's probably, or you expect that he's not to know that the guy is freezing to death like that because Ah, why would you? And so he's got a gun, but he doesn't know necessarily that it's not working or that it's jammed because of the ice that's kind of gotten in from from his body uh, into the barrel or whatever to Mm. stop the shooting mechanism. So I can understand that, and I think she calls um,
1: it out a little bit earlier on to Jarvis. She tells him to tell the cops not to shoot anybody. She wants to question Henry, doesn't she? So uh, pot- potentially she's just suspecting that Jarvis didn't get the chance to tell this particular cop not to shoot anybody. So she's accepted it uh, that this is where it's come from.
0: Yeah, but I think, like, I mean, I agree with Chris. It was like it was an element where it was like you kind of just going, "Oh, is that too obvious that maybe?" um or is it convenient I suppose mm. but then actually it, it fulfills a really integral and interesting part of, of the episode by linking it back to Chadwick and Frost who we had just seen at the race course and and all of that and you know this idea of well are they something to do with the lady in the lake and is that something to do with a bigger, more sinister picture, or is it just something simply to protect their marriage because he was cheating on her with, with Jane, the physicist? You know, are they? I think there's a they. They say something in the, in the scene after they've just paid um, the the police officer, yeah. and I think um, it's Whitney Frost says that that's the last time that we have to dirty our hands because you dirtied other parts of your anatomy like a really good scene and it's like is their involvement nothing more than trying to hide um an affair because he's running for senate Mm. or is he because he's the owner of isodine energy is he part of a a more malicious more malevolent sort of sort of uh multinational or, or corporate entity that's doing something really evil yeah, that's like a it, good it, point, yeah. And it, it all kind of flows from just simply linking back to this copper who shoots Detective Henry, and I, I really liked all that. I thought it really, and to me, that's what I loved about season one, and I'm so glad I'm seeing all this now in season two. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Okay, asking, sorry, I'm just going to jump in. <laughs> you talk about that evil corporation entity thing. Okay, we're based in the universe we're in. Mm-hmm. Based in it's we just after World War Two. Yeah. Red Skull is dead. Mm-hmm. But we also know that his uh his legacy lives on, especially mm-hmm. well into um the rest of uh, the Captain America films later on. And do you think we'll see Hydra elements play into season two?
1: Um, maybe. Maybe. But remember, Hydra weren't discovered until uh, Winter Soldier. So I'm wondering if you're really playing the long game on it and saying, okay, we're going to call these guys Hydra and saying that they're infiltrating the SSR even before S.H.I.E.L.D. is around, might be a bit early. Might be a bit early to do that. Uh, there are some other organizations that are out there that have been around that kind of length of time, some other shadowy organizations that would have connections to S.H.I.E.L.D. and, um, and would have fought against them. I think they mentioned one of them in the Agent Carter short. Uh, which was the Zodiac crew, which we've got no mention of in season one of Agent Carter. And obviously in the first episode of season two of, of Agent Carter, we've had no mention of them yet either. So we could maybe see the organization Zodiac coming up as being a, uh, I suppose, a- another alternative to uh, to Hydra as a as the villain of this show, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be cool. Derek, what's your first point? My first point is going to be another one of the intros of our one of our favourite characters. The intro of Daniel Souza. I oh, loved him in season one, and I'm loving the change they've made to him in this season. Gone are the cardigan- Cardigans. They're out the window this time. He's uh, he's in beach gear in uh, in L.A. Seems to have got a bit of promotion out of the uh, investigation that happened last time. Um, so I like the little contrast here. So he's become chief of the L.A. division of the SSR. Jack Thompson's become chief of the New York division. And essentially all that's happened to Peggy is she's still working for Jack Thompson. She's gotten no reward out of what happened. Uh, at the end of last season, so everything we thought would happen by Jack Thompson taking that little uh, accolade for himself has pretty much come to pass. But we at least see one of my favourite characters from season one getting a bit of a a bit of a bump and moving to uh, moving to LA to run his own division of the SSR. That, that thought that was quite cool. He's also got a new girl, unfortunately, which is a, which is a sad little moment for um, for Peggy looking out the window after him, seeing that he's now turned her down for the drink uh, and he's gone off to uh, to another girl. Is this girl just a girlfriend? Is my big question at the end of this episode? Is she just the person that he's been seeing in LA, or is there something nefarious about her potentially? What do you think, guys?
0: Difficult to know. I think from Absolutely. from this <laughs> uh, episode because you just see a woman from a distance from Peggy's perspective, high up in the offices of the um, the field office there. Yeah. Um, And you see him kiss her and then they get in the car and that. And so, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. I'm going to say no for the time being to be either proven right or wrong.
1: I just don't want Susan with her. I want her with him with, with Peggy. That's all.
0: I'm going (laughs) to side with
2: John here. I I I know our listeners. know I use the word trope a lot and cliche. (laughs) I'm, I'm bringing it back for Peggy Carter season two. First episode in Mark it down. Um, the whole kind of my the love of my life girlfriend is actually a double agent working for someone else. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been done,
1: <laughs> maybe.
2: Kinda, but I, again, I, I the way the writers write the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the way the writers also write Peggy Carter, they may do this, but they may put a nice spin on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to reserve judgment.
0: Yeah, and I, just to qualify why I said no, like. The whole point where Peggy is looking at Sue, as it were, and she says, "You never return my calls." And um, it's only a three-hour time difference, and he just simply goes, "Sometimes a three-hour time difference feels like a lifetime." So it seems like maybe the girl is a replacement for Peggy, and for him to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I'm just the way it went. I think that maybe is all. That she is, and maybe it will transpire that Peggy and Sousa reconnect in LA in some way. Um, And that maybe this girlfriend at the moment is trying to fill the void left by the fact that Peggy was in um,
1: New York Mm -hmm. three hours away. Yeah. But Peggy does also have eyes for another man in this episode as well, which I thought was uh, quite interesting. There is a tangled
0: web of love being uh, spun definitely yeah
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely as uh, so this is uh this is dr will dr wilkes is that right yep
0: yeah. it is
1: is this your second point derek i'm oh, gonna jump in with the point I, th- I think you should jump in with your second point
2: nothing like a, a point stealer
1: <laughs> i know i'm sorry uh, but it's it's quite connected i suppose with peggy's love life which is essentially the point that's kind of connected to the last one so um so yes, so Peggy seems to have eyes for Dr. Wilkes uh, of Isodine Industries. Uh quite cool because there's a little uh, there's some little connections I suppose uh, we know obviously from the Captain America films uh, and from the Winter Soldier particularly we know that Peggy is uh, is has has lived a long life and has eventually become a grandmother by the time that uh, that Uh, Steve comes and meets her her. but what we don't know is who her partner was we don't know who she was married to so um so the suspicion at the beginning was that potentially that could have been Sousa because he was a bit of the love interest in in season one uh there's a, there's a little camp out there or quite a sizable camp out there that are uh, that have a suspicion that trip who was a, one of the agents of shield uh, was actually her grandson so it is possible now that uh, that this is playing into it by bringing in uh Dr. Wilkes as being a potential partner for uh, for Peggy Carter i don't know whether we're going to get an answer to that throughout this season but uh, but pretty cool to have another love interest in there for her.
0: It definitely looked like there was some kind of connection, especially under the flyover, where um, she's telling him to stay back in, in a very sort of sultry, breathy way. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought um, so that there yeah, that was that was quite nice, and like he's obviously you know he's trying to get a drunk on the first time he sees her with the with the ethanol, which I thought was quite good, you know, <laughs> apply her with alcohol so that um, he he could uh, sort of schmooze her, um, and of course then. Um you know he said he wants to take her out to thank her for saving his life and it's um dinner and dancing yeah. um but I love the fact that now he's completely dubious he's completely um uh sort of got a massive question mark over his head you know good guy bad guy uh with that final scene mm-hmm. which is like awesome and i I love that a question is mm-hmm. or is that because it's just And I'm going to bring this on to my next point, (gasps) I think.
2: Before you do, I just want to one note, which was that was a great line when Peggy goes, I make it my policy not to socialize with persons of interest. And Wilkes goes, of course, but it's nice to know you. Find me interesting. Yeah, no, that was, that cool. was just fantastic. like, yes, was awesome. I was like, definitely. Yeah. fantastic.
0: Yeah. That I'm, was a really good kind of scene. And you can see how Peggy would get
1: attracted to that, I yeah. reckon. Yeah. yeah, I was totally on the side. I wanted her to give him the digits, definitely.
0: Right uh, there. Yeah.
2: And speaking yeah. of digits, John, did you have a point? <laughs> I did,
1: yes.
0: But I, it, I loved how the end with the potentially the dark force is this the dark force and that has been hinted at that it it links in with um obviously doctor strange uh all obviously everything leading up to the doctor strange movie in october 2016 for those in the uk and ireland obviously Mm -hmm. um 28th of october is doctor strange release uh on this side of the Atlantic so um like it was really interesting to see that but and of course because you've got this this dark goo flitting around within a, a container and, and sort of Jason Wilkes the kind of look at dr Wilkes looking slightly sinister kind of a bit malevolent the way he's looking at it it all was like oh my goodness it's, is he the bad guy just because he's there? I mean, you you read so much into it. So I love that intrigue Mm -hmm. that's been set up by the introduction of this this black goo chucking itself around a container, of which is this the obelisk in its non-solid form from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? That's what I'm thinking. And is that ultimately the dark force that they've talked about so that it connects with the maybe the seven uh, heavens uh, in relation to Iron Fist or whether the seven cities of heaven, sorry, that relate to Iron Fist or is this more about other worlds and, and moving into things like other realms, even beyond that? But to me, it kind of looked like the non-solid form of the obelisk from Agents of Shields, which I don't know whether it is, but I got hugely excited by all of this. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm going to agree. As soon as I saw that, it screamed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so this is what the Dark Force is. It is basically evil portal-like thing um, that kind of transports. And which we discussed in the last episode, how are they going to introduce this? Yeah. And that makes the Dark Force a pretty good thing, which is the Dark Force is the portal. The portal to the dimensions, the portal to evil in general, but it's it's alien, it's unknown. Alien can mean different dimension.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I loved the scene, and loved, I loved having that moment of it's essentially what you should do at the end of a pilot. Uh, it's it did exactly the right thing. and opened it up to a much larger world, uh, as you mentioned, Chris. I think. Um, this could easily have just been a one-and-done kind of episode where a Monster of the Week-type idea like the old X-Files used to do, um, but they opened up the larger world in those last three minutes of the episode, kind of setting up all of the characters and all of the pieces that are going to be in play for the next, uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Um, Chris, do you want to give us your next point since we uh, leapfrogged you <laughs> a little bit?
2: Yes. Now, I'm going to lean heavily on uh, Fountain of Shield knowledge, Um the man himself there. But this is what is I want... Is that wanted. me? That is you, of course. If, we, if I want to lean heavily on the Doctor Strange knowledge, then we have another <laughs> man. But uh, no, S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm going to put down Nick Fury, S.H.I.E.L.D., Colson, that's all you.
1: Okay, that's um,
2: me. So, Thompson's there with his old mentor, sitting mm-hmm. in New York. Uh, I think it's Vernon Masters, who... The actor, Kurtwood Smith.
1: That's right, oh, yes, yeah.
2: Yes, yes, Kurtwood Smith. He's oh, famous lo- for RoboCop. Yes, I love him. Yes.
1: I love and him. And that 70s show,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah, that's 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 where I remember him from. <laughs>
1: um,
2: but it was interesting to him to say that the SS- SSR's time was over. hmm So do you think that they're setting the stage at the beginning of the season now, that by the end of the season, that we may have some kind of pre-early kind of early S.H.I.E.L.D. creation? that they'll show this scene from the Easter, uh, from the short. And then season three is the, the fledgling beginning of
1: yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. It's, it's very possible, yeah. I know we've seen uh, in in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the TV show. I know we've seen uh, some of the buildings that the guys use, some of the bunkers that they use, have the SSR stuff all over, the, all over in the background. So there's definitely quite a heavy connection between the SSR and S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, it's not... Not hugely laid out in the comic books in that way. In fact, uh, our first appearance of Shield is essentially where Nick Fury is brought aboard the helicarrier by by Howard Stark. In fact, actually Tony Stark at the time. Uh, that's been retconned because uh, Tony couldn't possibly be sixty years old now. Um, but he's brought ab- aboard a working Shield at the time, essentially. So, um, so yeah, I think in the TV timeline, I think you're you're probably right that they, they should probably wrap around into uh, into the setting up of. Shield by Tony by Howard Stark. I get the two of them confused in this uh, MC MCU universe, uh, but essentially have it have it all wrapped around with Howard Stark setting up his version of Shield uh, and bringing on board Peggy Carter. Yeah, so I think that's the I think that's the way they're going to do it. Not sure there's going to be by the end of this season. The seasons are quite short uh, overall, but um, but I could see it happening. Just
0: quickly as well, it's just sprung to mind with all this talk of SSR to Shield, and with my sort of Doctor Who hat on. Is Dark Force potentially, or whatever it is, if we assume that this is the obelisk in its goo form, does that just transport you by over space, or is it over time as well? And relative dimension and space. Well, yeah, so I'm kind of thinking tardis type portal thing, um, so that maybe... Peggy or someone from this era gets sent back at the same time that you had, I don't know, Fitz or Simmons over there or something. I it's probably not going to happen, but I just suddenly thought, wouldn't that be cool if that would that could happen in a in a meaningful way, not just simply, but just because they've said that the Dark Force will be introduced in both Agent Carter and Agent SHIELD, mm-hmm. I just thought is that how they will kind of? Is it a crossover, even though they've not said that, or is it just simply that this is Dark Force, right? And it's introduced like that. You just want your cults and cameo, really, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it could, you know, it, and it just it develops what the Dark Force is a bit more, be you know, in terms of what it can do mm-hmm. um, in terms of over time and space and, and, and dimensions
1: and, and realms and what have you. See, nothing is impossible. And last week when we talked about it, we said this kind of stuff would be a bit too unrealistic for, uh, for Agent Carter when we talked about it on our episode before we'd seen uh, season two, episode one of Agent Carter. But I'm liking that they've opened this show up to those scientific possibilities. This is the strategic scientific reserve after all. But
0: it's not scientifically possible, Carter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I, li- I do like the idea that they've opened this up. So uh, we had in the last season, we had a couple of things that happened in season one of Agent Carter that directly played out into, into S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, we had a crossover episode where you had the opening of the episode with Peggy and the helen Commandos finding a, a, an item and that being shown in S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, so, so it's possible that this is just an element of... Um, an element of how the obelisk be, is developed or uh is formed and that's that's all we're seeing we may not have that crossover where someone comes back in time to them but uh yeah i'm always open for it for a Colson crossover that'd be quite cool yeah no absolutely but perhaps okay so in agents
2: of shield the the dark force is a tra- is a way to transport from what we believe was planet to planet mm-hmm. what if it's not so what if we, the, the introduction we actually had in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is dimensional? So mm-hmm. when the guy Fitz and Colson uh, and Simmons have gone over, they've actually gone into dimensional. The big bad that has returned back to the, the our dimension.
1: Mm-hmm. Hope you're caught up in S.H.I.E.L.D., listeners.
2: Okay, you've had time, people. I'm sorry. Yep. If you haven't yep. caught up at this point, <laughs> it's not my fault. But okay, so someone has returned, but do you think that actually could be the introduction? So that's a nice way of Introducing the magic in that it's it's not that fantastical, mm-hmm. which was my problem. They've shown it to be slightly less fantastical, in that more sciency, more yes. sciency. So, I, back to I think one of you guys said in the last episode in terms of Thor, uh, the Asgardians, they they have what humans or what the Midgardians call uh, magic, we call technology. Mm-hmm. So that's what this whole thing could be. So can you imagine Doctor Strange is filled with metachlorians? I'm just putting that out. Oh my no! Oh my goodness!
0: <laughs> I w- if that happened in October. I would leave the cinema and drink heavily for about the next five hours. <laughs> no, I like the idea of the the science thing, obviously, but I also quite like the magic, or the the magical elements that are brought about by. Um, by Doctor Strange, because it, it it's more things like meditation and and encanting and 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 all this kind of stuff and ancient um, texts and, and and prophecies, so it links into all of that. And yeah, I suppose people would say that it's strange that I would like that kind of stuff, but I do like I, I do like that. So that's my that's my cure for being a scientist, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely, um, but like. I do like the idea that there is still a scientific explanation behind it, potentially, but not the metachlorine route. Like, as long as it's done in a way that isn't that dreadful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite no, frankly, a, it's a fair point.
2: So, to close off just the the point as a whole, um, what in terms of what I was thinking about the SSR beginning, this is the end. Mm-hmm. What we had, Howard Stark. We've been told he's away filming location or looking at scouting filming locations Mm -hmm. basically what a simple way to do this and the way that you think because i know you said you probably wouldn't be able to do it by the end is that he comes back at the end of the season and he wasn't actually um setting up or looking for filming locations he was setting up shield
1: very possible. Mm-hmm. That's very possible. Yeah, good, good catch. Um, we will see throughout these episodes, definitely.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I but as well, I, I loved the FBI thing versus the SSR. That mm-hmm. idea, um, you know, they're a dinosaur. They're a relic of um of the wartime era. You know, we're moving on. I mean, the the thing for me as well is kind of, um, you know, that was
1: just really interesting. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of reminded me a little bit of. Uh, Mission Impossible Road Nation, actually.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it also it was. Well, who are Chief Thompson's mentors? You know, like who is Vernon Masters? Um, you know, he's obviously FBI, but you know, he talks about there are you know very um powerful people that wanted that safety deposit box item, uh, back, and they have even more powerful allies, and it you know does this link into what? chris you were saying uh before which is is this a hydra thing is this you know all these forces ranged against the ssr to destroy that not knowing that shields in the process of being formed mm-hmm. and that's kind of the response to this kind of threat like that's a really interesting little potential hook as to you know who is chief thompson what really then is lying behind him. Is is he totally above board and on the level? He's obviously got some very powerful friends in Vernon Masters, so that I really liked.
1: So Derek, what's your next point then? Uh, I'm going to talk about my biggie, Jarvis and uh, and Peggy, getting to meet back up again. From the moment that Jarvis walks on screen, I absolutely love his, his, his pitter-patter of conversation again with Peggy, uh, catching back up again, having two Brits, Fish out of water in L.A. is just fantastic and how it's characterized by uh, this great upper class man who's bored at home cleaning floors and carrying around uh, flamingos. Um, I think it's just fantastic. I think it's so well put together. Uh, it really just <laughs> makes me laugh the whole way through it, where he's describing uh, people from L.A. as uh, you just don't, won't understand them. They have avocados with everything. It's a dry heat, but uh, they tell you it's, uh, they tell you it's a dry heat, but it's unbearably hot here. Would you trust a palm tree? Look at the structure of that thing. <laughs> uh, he's, he's absolutely hilarious all the way through. Um, Really, really enjoyable to have him back. I love how he's describing uh, the British are coming to Whitney Frost and saying that he's the head of a studio, describing a tour, and essentially the only person, only human being that he knows that that he could actually describe the life of and say that a movie was being made out of her is essentially Peggy. And then he's asked, uh, "Is there a love interest?" And he kind of is completely thrown by that because he doesn't, he hasn't thought about his plan that far ahead. Um, love Jarvis again in this episode. Really, really enjoyable to have these two characters back together again.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, I think you kind of stole one of my points here, um, but definitely the spark, the banter captured between these two uh, is it, just really funny. E- even when he's talking about Howard Stark uh, going uh, on uh, scouting for locations, and he's going, um, "Yeah, the location, the location scout. He's scouting her locations, or all, all that." kind yeah. of thing. I just love how he brings that kind of flavor to to the conversation. And I mean, then we also see a, a, his lovely wife there um you know with Anna Jarvis played by Lottie Verbeek and I love the fact that Peggy kind of goes, I thought we were going to see uh, an Edwin Jarvis, but in a girdle, you know, Mm -hmm. and she goes, that's exactly what I was thinking. And here's Anna, and she's totally different. She's fresh, and she kind of is probably the thing that is is the absolute pride and joy of, um, of Edwin like that was really cool as well I love Peggy's reaction to that and sort of being sort of introduced along with us um, into uh, Jarvis's sort of private life that was really nice but yeah this whole um, banter between the two of them is just brilliant yeah
1: absolutely
2: yeah no I'm going to agree that was actually one of my points Um, first one was Anna Jarvis uh, Lottie Verbeek Mm-hmm. Yep, there we go. See, I'm taking a note here from Derek trying to actually learn the the actor or actress's names this rather than just calling the slow characters. slow down and
1: don't binge watch things, Chris. You can learn the names of the characters <laughs> and the writers and everything. It's great. Ah, okay. One step at a time. One step <laughs> at a time. But um she was
2: brilliant. She brings that kind of really open, warm, touchy Phoebe. Mhm. It's it's yin and yang. It's black and white. Her and Jarvis yeah Um, absolutely but it was the best it was the best another great one and this is the the, one of the reasons i loved this episode and i'm hoping they keep it which is the very quick one-liners but they don't kind of wait for like an almost applause track so it was Mm -hmm. when um when anna gives her the garter with the gun holster
0: oh
1: yes, and it's like you
2: are fantastic and I was just <laughs> yeah. like, that is just brilliant. It Absolutely. was just,
1: yeah. Uh, I was wondering, I, I even wrote it in my notes as to whether Anna is now going to be the cue to Peggy Carter's James Bond. You know, uh, will she come up with a little feminine gadgets for Peggy Carter, things that she could hide that no other agent of the SSR could have because she seems to be some form of clothes designer or she seems to be very very involved in clothes anyway. I know there's a couple of calls out uh, there. So will she be the one that makes the suits of armour for Peggy that hide underneath uh, beautiful dresses for uh, throughout season two, which I think would be really cool uh, to have that real good connection with the Jarvis family, essentially.
0: Absolutely. And and do you think we've been introduced to uh, Jarvis's uh, nemesis, domestic nemesis uh <laughs> in, for this season uh i sometimes too have gone by the name the devil in pink um <laughs> i sometimes stand on on the front lawn with one leg raised uh into my crotch um but definitely um i love that i love as they get you know jarvis is there waiting for her off the plane and she comes down the steps and she goes I'm puzzled and they're walking towards the camera and he's like he looks at her and goes I know where this is heading as it sort of then f- rotates the camera around to this flamingo on the back seat um you know and um like is this howard stark putting like his enemies or his rivals off the scent by you know follow his butler he will be involved he'll know exactly what's (laughs) happening and they're just you know he's sending them around to pick up like exotic birds basically um but yeah no i i wonder if we will see bernard
1: um Come uh, up in a number of other episodes. I, have, I hope so. I have a feeling now that he is—he is uh, he's christened as Bernard Stark in this episode, so he is definitely a member of the family. We will—I I have a feeling we will be seeing him back up in uh, in future situations. Uh, yeah, really good fun. I—I love these. These are these are the heart of the show for me. These two characters specifically, and I really really enjoyed seeing them back again. Um, Chris, do you want to give us your next point?
2: Yep, I'm I'm gonna bring one slight inkling of. Uh, negativity. And mm-hmm. um, in that, the episode was great. Like I said, I'm not taking away from this. It was just one bit I found was like, they brought too much, I think, some goofy elements into it. Okay. Like, and the one bit that was really just got me was the SSR fake talent agency lobby where the auditions were happening mm-hmm. <laughs> it compl- I, I know i know it was supposed to get that kind of giggle that john is having right now <laughs>
1: it gave me one actually i must say <laughs> uh,
2: but it was just such a pendulum swing from like the, the couple of seconds before to when then you, you're going into this And i know it was probably used as that mnemonic to try and bring you out of that kind of complete seriousness Mm -hmm. so it's not a kind of dark moody drama cop drama it is it is mcu universe's peggy carter it's agent carter um but it just i don't know that was that one moment just sat has sat with me and i'm trying i've rewatched it that one Mm -hmm. scene just going is it just me is it no no
1: and this, on this podcast, it sounds like it is. No. Yeah, okay, yeah,
2: okay. <laughs> but no, it just, if you know what I mean, like, they typically, the writers on this show mm-hmm. have a way of kind of inter- just opposing the the com- comedic elements against the actual serious drama parts. Yeah. But they've never, and they usually give a, a, a nice pregnant pause or some kind of slowdown that you have in between those periods. With this, it was just very much a, Like, okay, we're being serious, we're in the car, we're talking, vroom, okay, there's a comedy funny element part, and then straight away you're back to a serious part because then she sees Susa upstairs.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I'm like, oh, okay.
1: I think it was it, for for me. It was nice to see Rose back. So Rose was the uh, the lead phone operator in the uh, in the phone company in New York, which was a, yeah. the the uh, the cover for uh, for the SSR in New York. Uh, and here she's the uh, she's the receptionist in a talent agency. But uh, what I actually liked about the scene, okay, so the dancing of uh, of the two young girls was uh, was, <laughs> it was it was funny. But I actually liked Rose's response at the end when she kicks them out. Essentially, where she goes, we don't even have a sign up. Um, we have the wrong directions in the phone book. Yet these people still keep coming to our talent agency. I think that's really funny, and I think there's a good little commentary on the type of people that are in LA in in Hollywood or Hollywood uh, back yeah. in uh, back in the forties, where everybody thinks I have a talent. I can be in a movie. I can be in a television show. Uh, I could. I, all I need to do is get into this talent agency and set myself up. Uh, I just think it's a nice, it's a nice little touch. It's just setting us up with the kind of environment in LA, really.
2: Yeah, it's a fair point. I'll, I'll give you that. I'm just saying. I, I just, I'm expressing my opinion, <laughs> but <laughs> of I, 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 I want to hear what everyone else says. Like, I no, I,
0: like I, I liked, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was just, to me, it was that's how you roll on the west coast in LA it's like in, in new york it's the the secret entrance is through a telephone operators mm. uh office in LA it's a, a I was going to say a recruitment agency i mean a talent spotting agency yeah. you know yeah um so i mean that's all i thought really on that
1: yeah, and I will say, Chris, if that's if that's going to be something they use every episode to introduce you to the, to uh, to the SSO, every time Peggy comes in, there's a different act in the uh, in the lobby. Yeah, okay, I I, I jump off that pretty quickly. Okay. But uh, well, let's but, see. Yeah. We'll wait till let's see. Although you know, if we've got if we've got dancing monkeys in the next episode, and the episode after that, it's a trapeze act with no trapeze or something. Um, I'll I'll, I'll I might I'll see how it, I'll see how it goes. Definitely.
2: With you with dancing monkeys, because who doesn't <laughs> love dancing
1: monkeys? But, well, of course. But,
2: but when you go into, like, uh, yeah, no, okay, if they, I'll let them go away with it just this once if they show me a dancing monkey, okay. and one of, you know, in top hats, you know, those little hats and the vest. And, and if they
1: called it the Fitz monkey. Oh, that, yeah, I'd be happy. About or Bobo. Uh, John, do you want to give us your next point? I do. It's
0: the autopsy, it's the glowing body. Oh, yes. um, that was great. I loved it. Um I love the fact that the air was still cold uh in the autopsy room uh at the coroner's office with all the heaters were still on. I love that that blue glow i mean to to begin with, I was thinking, is this an alien thing as well? Is this something to do with um the the blue body found in agents of shield and mm-hmm. um, was it the Cree found or, or the Inhuman, whatever, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? The, the sort of torso and, and head of the, 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 that, that, that body found in, in the mountain that was mm-hmm. blue. I was kind of thinking, is it something to do uh, with that? And um, that was really good. I love the fact that the coroner was Dr. Meltzer. <laughs> Melt. Her. Um, I thought that was really a nice little, uh, name, naming convention there. Um, and the fact that he ultimately, um, in trying to figure out what killed her gets frozen to death, like, uh, Detective Henry. Um, so these, all, all these little things were just like, oh, this is cool. I, this investigation is really Interesting, even just the initial premise that you know you 've got uh plus ninety uh, degrees Fahrenheit going on in, in the middle of l a um, and you have the frozen lake it 's just yeah. like that 's cool uh, you know literally um really good <laughs> um, and I like the whole autopsy thing that to me um was pretty good i I really like that in in this episode
1: yeah definitely yeah. and definitely to your point chris this is this is x files this is a uh, the unexplained mystery at the beginning uh, being solved by the end of the episode. Loved it. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, really liked the the touches uh, that are in there. One of the points of the investigation itself that really stood out to me is I love that Peggy and Sousa are working together in this. And there's just one little brief moment that just popped into my head there. I uh, one little brief moment where she where she pushes back against Sousa the way she would have against Jack, Jack Thompson but Susan just lets her go because he trusts her completely. So it's where uh, it's where the detective uh, is saying, "Well, you don't do it that way here in LA. You go and talk to the press, and the press sort it out." And she says, "No, no, let's keep keep it under wraps, and I'll go and talk to the." the president of the company, uh, you don't understand what you're doing. And then Susa just sends her off to do exactly what she wanted to do. It's a nice little change in dynamic. And I love that you can almost see that the blood boiling in her before uh, thinking that she's going to get turned down. Once again, she's going to be treated with no respect again. And seeing that Susa gives her a bit of respect in this investigation where they're working together is really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Chris, have you got a, uh, another point?
2: Yeah, uh, my last point is our dynamic evil duo. Calvin Chadwick and Whitney Frost.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think this is going to be really. If these are our our nemeses mm-hmm. uh, for the whole season, then I'm going to be quite happy. Um, they play well on each other. And, John, it was as you said earlier, that piece on um, uh, cleaning up dirty work because you got other places dirty. I'm paraphrasing yeah. obviously. Um but that that was really good and it, they they work well together. Um especially Win Everett, um who plays Whitney she was really good at the racetrack scene. Mm-hmm. And just the way the way she she was kind of like pandering along and then the way uh, Curry Graham who plays uh Calvin was just kind of going on and then he suddenly you could see that politician smile and kind of is like, oh,
1: this is brilliant, yeah, yeah, yeah and
2: then all of a sudden that twist Um, so I think that that, that could be really good
1: Oh, absolutely
2: The person who I'm wondering, who is going to be the Calvin to Whitney's uh, Peggy?
1: Oh, right, right So is it going to be
2: Sousa, is it going to be Jarvis, Mm
0: -hmm. is it
2: going to be the Doctor, the Scientist?
0: um, Yeah, Wilkes. Wilkes, Dr. Wilkes, yeah
2: I'm wondering who that who's going to be the the other kind of flip of the coin for the yeah. good side. No, and it's just it was interesting to see. We we've always typically just kind of had in in the last season it was Dottie was the 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 kind of the evil, the big bad. Obviously yeah. we had uh, Dr. Detenko, but I I didn't see that as a kind of dynamic duo kind of they they was more that was boss and subservient kind of mm-hmm. employee. This yeah. like this is kind of well potentially, uh, Whitney's more in charge than Calvin, but I will see. It's just it's interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. One of the things that I that I did see in the publicity before the show was was coming out is that the character of Whitney Frost is based on the actress Risa Hayworth from. Uh, from uh, films around this time essentially. Um, she's well a well-known starlet if you know films from the 40s and 50s. She's a, she's very well known as an actress, but in the times when she wasn't an actress, she was actually a very well-known scientist. She did she did a lot of inventions and was a very very intelligent woman. So I'm really liking the idea that this character of Whitney Frost is based in some reality. Uh, so she's not actually really here with obviously, but she's based in reality on a character who was who kind of hid this scientific side of herself and I love the idea that she's going up against the SSO, or hopefully throughout the season she is our big bad definitely um we'll see a lot more of her i think throughout the season and i love that final scene with uh with her where she essentially puts calvin chadwick in his place in the car because it just shows just she's the strong woman behind the man trying to be senator so yeah good little touch
0: Absolutely. I know you've mentioned it already about the uh, the British are coming, uh, but I do actually think her response to, to Jarvis, the I'm tired of period pieces, was excellent. <laughs> um, I have to say, um, I think from when I was 12, I was tired of period pieces Um on the bbc um, and uh obviously in in british film um they slightly annoy me i liked the source materials but i hate their continual replaying on, on tv and, and in film the only one i probably am slightly excited for is pride and prejudice and zombies um, <laughs> oh but that just
2: looks amazing it does
0: i mean it'll either be a complete disaster or it will be awesome but well, that um makes, that yeah. makes it good yeah, yeah. Um, a Downton Abbey fan I am not mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I, I loved that just kind of Asivic kind of response to that definitely absolutely. it was really
1: good absolutely so Derek what's your uh, last point uh, my final point is Jack Thompson. And what I've got written in my notes, notes is Jack Thompson is still a douche uh, because he he's come back exactly the way I expected him to come back from the first season from a certain point of view, to quote a terrible Jedi. So firstly, he sent uh, Peggy off to LA when she's doing the big investigation. She, she feels she's really close to... A, to finally breaking Dottie, obviously a case that she's been working on for months and he breaks it, sends her off to LA. Uh, he sends it and doesn't tell Sousa that, that Peggy's the one that's going to be coming, which obviously is going to cause com- complications for Sousa. When he speaks to Sousa on the phone, he has absolutely no respect for him. Again, he still feels like he's the uh, guy in charge and Sousa's the, his subordinate. So totally from a, from a certain point of view, he is a douche. But what you find out, and I love the little twist and it's a nice little touch it's because of when the carrot and stick come back, uh, he walks into the room to interrogate Dottie. And you realize that the reason he's being so heartless and so, uh, so I suppose what it looks like is bad at his job. The reason he's doing all the things he's doing is because he wants to get revenge on the person that caused his mentor and his boss's death. Um, he, t- he tells directly to Dottie's face that you and your commie brethren killed the carrot so all I've got left is the stick. So he wanted to get his chance with her in the room and probably felt that if Peggy was in the way, he'd never get that chance with her. I like that touch, and I like that they've kept that uh, that little strand of the complicated Jack Thompson, not just the guy we all love to hate. Uh, there's a nice little touch of, of some more per- character progression for him and really good to see. Yeah, absolutely.
0: This was actually my final point as well. Um, like, It was really good to see uh Thompson sort of still be there to some extent. I yeah, you know, I was hoping he would have moved on from the last season, but I mean, even with sending Peggy over instead of um, you know, his best man as he describes it, um, on the phone to Sousa he says, How's the surf agent Sousa? Mm-hmm. And Sousa has to correct him and say it's chief. Like, he is being a complete douche here. And it's, you know, irrespective of what's going on between uh, him and, and Vernon from the FBI, um, all of this is like he's a proper, um, you know, he's still got insecurities or, you know, or potentially he's got insecurity issues and that's why he's sending Peggy Carter. He feels, you know, everyone's kind of fawning over Peggy Carter and that maybe... He feels, even though he's the one that's gotten the chief position, that he's the one that's kind of being ignored or yeah. forgotten about, even though he's gotten all the rewards. And I, I think that comes very much across, like from Peggy saying, are these still insecurities? You know, mm-hmm. don't put them onto me. I've got it almost. Um, in terms of when she's interrogating Dossie. So I, I liked all of that a lot. Um, and I, I liked anyway how this episode just, had those lovely little connections with season one. Absolutely. Uh, or, you know, back to season one, uh, especially the carrot and the stick bit. That
1: was, that was pretty poignant, I thought, Yeah, definitely. to Chief Dooley. Definitely. Well, that's kind of our top five points for the episode. Chris, do you have any, any notes you want to go through?
2: Um, I just want to point out what I think was perhaps the best line of this whole episode, which is Jarvis saying, aside from danger, my Milton name is Charm. I was just like the only other part was just literally when he was doing the um, what do you do for relaxation assemble rifles
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. they're
2: giving him enough of those kind of zingers that you you, that you can see like you could see it's like he's trying to be an early James Bond without any of the action
1: part (laughs) of it it's
2: just he's going for suave and it's just failing but it's Good enough because he has the English accent.
1: <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. I love
0: him. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. That was cool. But I think Jarvis is cool. <laughs> Jarvis is cool, definitely.
1: John, do you have any notes about the episode?
0: Yeah, I do. I think one is I was wondering if there was any significance that, you know, safety deposit box number 143 um, and and the pin with the kind of the A.
1: Yeah. Like
0: that, you know, no owner on the bank register. So, I, like, I didn't recognize the pin. I, I wondered if there was any significance to its location in, in the bank or something. But, like, that is, I don't necessarily fully understand yet, and hopefully that's going to come out anyway. Yeah. Because, as well, we see that the FBI takes that. So, you know, the FBI has taken Dottie and the pin and has talked about powerful uh, men. Um that own that pin and even more powerful allies so yeah. that's really nice building that aspect of the show
1: yeah absolutely it feels like there's going to be a, a, a bi-coastal uh kind of investigation going on stuff going on in la and stuff going on in new york and potentially they may merge as well so uh, yeah we definitely don't know a huge amount about what's going on uh, after that bank heist but we'll definitely see more i think
2: yeah yeah no i agree it's just going to be one of those i don't know i'm hoping they won't drag that out too long and mm-hmm. um, so, I'd like to see it revolve. Okay, not in episode two, but maybe episode three. They resolve what the pin is, who the pin is, because I think it will be fun. What we don't want to see is Peggy flying back and forth consistently. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, today I'm in New York, now I'm in Hollywood, now I'm in and New now, York.
1: And now I'm sleeping because I have jet lag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, I, I suppose the good thing about this show is that it's much more like a like a UK show. It's got 10 episodes. It's even shorter than the Netflix episodes that we covered. So uh, I think they're going to really crack through some of the storylines as we go through. I think they actually covered a huge amount in this episode. Oh, they
0: did. That's what I mean. Like The writing's incredibly tight. I think um, I one other line that I loved from this uh, episode as well, uh, my final note is definitely when Peggy says to Rose... How is everything? And she goes, Everything is after the first door on the right, you can't miss him. Yeah. Like I I thought that was just Lovely a really touch. nice little touch um from, from Rose to to Peggy. Absolutely.
1: That you know, her man Sousa is is still there and you can't miss him. And just proves that all the girls that worked and the at the desk in the front of the office knew exactly what was going on behind doors there as well. Uh, yeah, really good. Really yeah. good. Derek, have you got any notes? A few notes actually that we haven't talked about. So uh, just, wow. just quickly, uh, the mention of Tales of Suspense, which I thought was quite interesting. That's the one of the movies that Whitney Frost starred in that you could actually see in the background on the uh, on the marquee. Tales of Suspense is quite a famous uh, Marvel comic book series. Um, it's in the in the vein of Strange Tales came came before it and had had the first appearance of Iron Man in it, which I thought was a nice little touch there from uh, from the creators. Uh, I love the lab technician um, who suddenly has <laughs> yeah. suddenly has a complaint about his job and the fact that nobody treats him with any respect right in the middle of a case. <laughs> nice little touch. I never get invited
0: to the parties. <laughs> no.
1: Lo- love that. I'm sure we're going to hopefully see uh, Dr. Sambley uh, in future episodes coming up, I think. A um, couple of the little things. The uh, receptionist of Iodine Industries made me laugh. Uh, oh yeah. oh with, my goodness uh, is there anything else i can help you with oh that uh, was superb a great reaction from peggy as well going no i'm just walking past <laughs> it's, uh, it's very much feels like what i have felt like when i've been in florida or something like that where you've been asked the uh have a nice day is there anything else i can do for you so many times every five minutes <laughs> and you just want to say no i know you're trying to be helpful but this isn't being helpful but the last
0: one from her was great she goes do you have a search warrant no is there anything else I can help you with? Yeah. <laughs> that was excellent. Love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh,
1: and of course, her final inflection when she's speaking to Souza, where he's where she says, "And is there anything else I can help you with?" Uh, <laughs> putting on their little sultry voice. Fantastic. Yep. Loved it. Uh, on that note, Chris, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter?
2: I do a hundred percent defend this episode. Aside from my one slight negative, mm-hmm. which I am going, I'm giving them benefit of the doubt. It returned with a nice new location, some new characters. I got huge enjoyments, uh, as you guys said, and the same as for myself, seeing Peggy and Jarvis reunited. Um, it's left so many open questions um, that I really want. I, I really, I'm I I'm, I'm itching to watch the second episode already. Um, so sad
1: that we only got the first one over here in one night, isn't it?
2: That's another point. I'm really interested why that happened because mm-hmm. it means now we'll be two episodes behind the states consistently. Yes. So yeah. I have to be very careful when I type Agent Carter or look at Agent Carter or do anything Agent Carter related on the web. I know. Try, gonna... try running the
1: Twitter account. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to say, look, the biggest the biggest reason I love this was the introduction of the Dark Force. Mm-hmm. It's a good intro. It it was enough that it left me chomping. I want to know more. It's got my brain fired up as you as we talked about. Um, but yeah, no, it's they they just the only bit they need to temper the comedic f- swings and drama. But other than that, yeah, no, I would give this a really. Good rating, and it's a must-watch if you've watched, if you enjoyed season one.
1: Derek, do you defend uh, this episode of Agent Carter? I certainly do. It's like stepping back in with friends again. Um, I loved the first season that, and I was quite surprised at loving it as much as I did. And I just feel like I'm ready for uh, a little bit of a, a, little bit of a break uh, after Jessica Jones, which I adored. I really, really enjoyed Jessica Jones. If you, if you've heard our podcast about it, you, you can tell that. Um, but I needed something with a little bit of a lighter, a lighter tone. Uh, the shield has gone quite dark uh, in itself, so it's not bringing the lightness of tone every week uh, that uh, that is being provided now by Agent Carter, and I'm delighted to be back with all of these characters, some great new characters, some really intriguing storylines, and yes, yeah, some great performances from our uh, from these characters who, who know uh, who know their value uh, to use the phrase uh, really really well now. So great to see them all back on screen. Really enjoyed it. John, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter? I do defend this
0: episode of Agent Carter. I really seriously loved it. Um, I actually watched it twice and on the second time it just was even more thrilling and great for me. Um, so I think that's why I'm going to give it as an amazing opening. Um, I'm actually giving it 4.5 pink devils out of five. I love the writing. I love, as I said, it brought me back to season one with just the, 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 comedy the lightness um not only that but the um the the banter and the spark between obviously Jarvis and, and agent Carter um, the the dark force made me squeal with delight at, at the end uh, and it made me squeal even more with the fact that it the tension with Dr Wilkes and, and Peggy Carter you know who is he is he going to be bad is he going to be good who knows i loved that we had a nice little sort of nod back to chief dooley with the carrot and stick we had dotty we had thompson being a douche like th- it was this was like having um a nice family or friends over for dinner or something it was relaxed it felt chilled and and maybe that is a bit of a function of having uh done 13 episodes of jessica jones um but this this to me was perfect, Agent Carter. It, it sets up loads um, for for this season to come. It introduces Chadwick and and, and Whitney Frost, mm-hmm. um, which were great. Um, it introduces um, obviously the Dark Force, uh, and yet it still is tipping that that Red Federer back to to season one, um, and that I really liked. And I think for the opening episode of season two that was exactly the right thing to do uh for 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 me and the the dialogue is just like really smart and, and crisp uh love it um so yeah that's why I gave it such a high mark. Um, I might rue that fact because now I'll be judging every other episode against it and it'll be all a bit relative. So maybe I'm being overly generous, but I think I can forgive myself for that. Um, you know. So, yeah, definitely defend this episode
1: of, of Agent Carter. Excellent. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing episode two, which will be out here next Thursday uh, in the UK and Ireland. Uh, really looking forward to covering that. And listeners, if you have any thoughts on episode one of Agent Carter or if you want to send in any feedback to us about our podcast, uh, email us at feedback at podcast.com, or you can come and join our Facebook group, just search Defenders TV podcast on Facebook uh, you can find our group there you can find our page which is generally just our news but if you want to come in and join the group we have a bit of chat going on, on about all the Marvel projects obviously all the stuff we've covered on the show some of the future stuff we're going to be covering uh the movies that'll we'll be covering and obviously Agent Carter so come and join us in the group uh, we do have some feedback for our first episode of Agent Carter uh our first piece of feedback comes from Ronaldo.
0: Yeah, thanks, Ronaldo, for um, feedback. He goes, um, I'm just re Agent Carter Season 1 in anticipation for Season 2 in a few weeks. I must admit, I enjoyed it far more now than when I originally saw it when it came out. I think initially I was not used to the 1930s setting, but now it actually looks quite cool. Dr. Faustus isn't as terrifying as Kilgrave, but his mind control is still impressive. The Marvel balance of humour, action and suspense is spot on, and though it's more in keeping with family-friendly ABC network as opposed to Netflix, the violence and gore, the amputee, is still present. Also, loving Dotty, how kick-ass is shit! Can't wait to see more of her in season two. Thank you for that, uh, Ronaldo. I mean, yeah, I definitely get that. I think um, sort of re-watching some of the episodes um, again whilst we were uh, discussing season one of Agent Carter on the podcast last time, like other things pop out at you that just show, I think, just how great the, the show is and, and what it's trying to do. Um, and definitely it, it has all those elements that the netflix shows have just in different ways or in different proportions and, and um yeah i i agree i think dotty also uh just as much as kilgrave or anything is a really classic villain of, of marvel um and she you know she mirrors and compliments uh peggy carter
1: really really well absolutely. definitely absolutely i yeah. really look forward to seeing more of her this season as well
2: yeah no completely agree um I really still see them. I know we're still set in the same MCU. I still see them as very much two different properties in that the 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 tone. We talked about this on our kind of at Jessica Jones finale, and Derek. I think you got the more I thought about it, the more I think you're right. Jessica Jones was a a certain type of something. It was really, it was dark. It was gritty. It was emotional. Mm -hmm. It was action packed. Daredevil was action action packed, yep. but the the action in Jessica, Jessica Jones was just a different animal, mm-hmm. and I think Agent Carter is a different animal. It I would call it the it's a gateway, it's an entrance,
1: definitely to yeah. MCU. Yeah, yeah, much like a gateway drug, you will not stop watching the rest of the MCU. <laughs>
2: nope, <laughs> well. look at us, then you will start podcasting about it, tweeting about it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's just a, yeah.
1: Yeah. We've I got blame- our movie tickets booked for everything up this year, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I- I'm
0: camped out for Doctor Strange already. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Live from Cineworld on Pornell Street. It's John. <laughs>
1: we do also have a bit more feedback but it is about Jessica Jones if this is your first time listening to us and you're just listening to us for our Agent Carter coverage I would recommend you either go out and watch Jessica Jones or switch off now because some of this feedback is going to be spoilery if you're going to switch off now uh, do subscribe to the podcast we will be releasing episodes every week as Agent Carter comes out all you need to do is go to DefendersTVPodcast.com subscribe to the podcast there in iTunes or you can subscribe to us in any other other good podcast catcher like Podcast Addict, uh, Beyond Pod, and you can also see it find us on Stitcher, all under Defenders TV podcast. Uh, so this is going into Jessica Jones spoilers,
0: but
2: don't turn it off you 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 just go go now watch Jessica Jones now do it right now and then absolutely
0: just pause. or, or us for for two minutes because the, the Jessica Jones feedback is there because obviously uh, with our last podcast, we weren't able to put all the feedback in there. And so we, we have this feedback on Jessica Jones, which came through um, our Facebook handle. So just search Defenders TV Podcast and join the group and the page um, for uh, our Facebook feed. But well, basically Lisa um, goes, uh, Lisa Richardson goes, I'm finally glad you've finished so that I can say that I really enjoyed enjoyed that next snap it was just so justified um, and we have claire laffer and um, who also says the most satisfying next snap ever smile emoticon and um, david wang came with damn i really hope that they they wouldn't kill him off and uh, yeah unfortunately they did unless there is some dark force around maybe that can breathe <laughs> some new life into a purple man and um, then uh, then yeah it seems <clears throat> like he's Killed Kilgrave off, um, and then Rebecca Bradshaw again says, "Okay, it was a lame comment about Luke Cage needing to be power dampened when he did have surgery in the comics. They have dealt with him and his medicine issues, um, you know. So Luke Cage has that potential problem where if he does get hurt, he's got unbreakable skin. Yeah, yeah. So it's absolutely. in through the eyeball, uh, down the mouth." Um, yes, they've dealt with that medical issue um
1: so that's in uh the comics it was power dampened, so they had to do something about those powers so that they could operate on them was the was the big difference that yeah. uh, that Rebecca's calling out there uh thanks for all the feedback really good to hear uh there's a little bit of other feedback about uh about whether Jessica flies or jumps, but uh we're not going to reveal that until next week's episode uh, as the poll is still ongoing. so if you want to join that poll, hop onto Facebook uh, and uh vote for Jessica jumps. Uh, which is my side of the argument. Team, Team Chris,
2: she flies. Team Chris, <laughs> she flies.
1: <laughs> or you can choose, at least on
0: Facebook, Team John, which is like, yeah either way it's all right (laughs) she's still awesome so again thank you so much for listening and to this our first podcast looking at the new season of agent carter and we will be back in a week's time to go through and discuss episode two a view from the dark of agent carter so it's just for us to say thank you so much for listening Provide any feedback, join in any of the conversation about Agent Carter or anything else about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we will hopefully um, have you listening next time.
2: Long live the
1: SSR. Is there anything else we can help you with? Bye. And, of course, her her final inflection when speaking to Susan. uh, Not
0: Susan. Susan. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production.
1: For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.